0: Thanks, Nick. Uh, I'd like to begin tonight by asking you to consider a question. And the question is, how would you describe your community group or your group or your Bible study? And I want you just to reflect on that for a moment. How would you describe that group? And I want you to think beyond just what you study, when you meet, or who's in your group. I want you to think about words that would describe the environment that is in your group as you meet. Just think about that for a moment. Now each of you and each of the others in your group have a perspective on that environment on that dynamic that is resonant in your group and i think if i were to poll this group tonight and ask you to share some of those words in fact let's do that right now give me some words that came to your mind when you talk or think about your group Just please say louder okay authentic i think is what you said right Welcoming, encouraging, vulnerable, hungry, safe. safe. It would be interesting, in fact, if you um, polled your group or ask the leader of your group the next, in sometime in the near future when you meet, to ask the group, how would you describe the environment here? How would you describe the dynamic here? What would you words would you use to describe our group? Now, there was probably some resonation with the words that were shared by some of you all. Some of you may as well have had very different words when you think about your group. But what I want you to do tonight is to consider adding two words to that group. So when you answer this question, I want you to consider answering, adding two words to that group. Two words that I believe God would want you to use for not only your group, but for all the groups that are represented here. Two words that outline what I consider the destiny for your group. The hope is that at the end of this kind of description, or consideration of those two groups, you'd be inspired at the importance of your group in the mind of God. And that would be encouraging you to consider asking the question, how might I contribute to the fulfillment of the destiny that God has for our group? So, to... Come up with those two words. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Now we're going to the book of Ephesians for a couple of reasons. One, new city just launched into Ephesians this past Sunday. Into the next uh, several months of looking at this book, and if you were here or listened to it, you heard Chris talk about that the book is broken into two major components. Chapters one to three are about what we believe, and chapters four to six are about how we live. Personally, I've been studying the book of Ephesians over the last year in two different groups. One, in, one of our, in our community group that meets on Monday night. That's a couples group. And then I'm in a men's group that I lead on Thursday morning. And we, both of those groups went through the book of Ephesians. And I'm personally really excited about how God is going to use this book to stimulate our thinking and change the way we live. It's an incredible book, um, and so in the book of Ephesians, Paul gives two pictures of this destiny: as the body, the church, as the temple of God, in ch- in chapter two, verses nineteen to twenty-two, and as the body of Christ, in four eleven to sixteen. So those are the two pictures that I want you to take up. I want you to take up when you think about your group as the temple of God. And I want you to think about your group as the body of Christ, or a part of both of those, you might say. Now, let's look at the first one. Let's uh, just read, uh, you, somebody, you can just read along as I read these. This is out of chapter 2. Verses 19 to 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is, Jesus, is Christ Jesus Himself. We're carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. I want you to notice the first verse. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. In the individualized culture of the United States, when we see the word you, we think of ourselves. We think individually. He's talking to me there as an individual. And to read it that way is not what Paul or the Spirit of God had in mind at all. The you there is plural. In fact, if you were from the South, you would say you all. You all are citizens along with God's holy people. And in fact, every single time you see you in the book of Ephesians, it is a plural pronoun. It is never individualized. And so the picture that we're going to look at is of this particularly the temple of God first, is not a portrait of a person. It is a family picture. And that family picture is of a building, the temple of God, Paul refers to it. And if you notice in the passage, the temp, this building has what the components of every building would. It's got a foundation built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, he says, and what they taught. It's got a cornerstone. And that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And the cornerstone, we might know it if if you know anything about building or architecture, is that first stone that's laid in a masonry building. And it directs or guides every stone after that that's laid. Now, in the first century, it it was also the stone that was holding up the two walls that it was connected to. But this is not just one of many cornerstones. The word actually in the original language is the chief cornerstone. In fact, some of the translations say chief cornerstone or the highest cornerstone or the most important cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He's the first stone that was laid in this building. And on that, the apostles and prophets were also built. And then upon that, what are the building blocks? The building blocks are people They're the the family of God. They're you and I. This is what the building is composed of. Now, what I want you to notice is not only is Jesus Christ the cornerstone, not only is that the foundation, the apostles, and the prophets, not only is the building box of believers, I want you to notice also back to this passage that it says that we are carefully joined together. We are growing, we are becoming this temple of God. All these are present, active verbs that imply growth. Destiny of this building was to grow. Paul gives this picture of this building, not of one of concrete, but one of living blocks. Now, the question that you ought to ask in the light of that is what's the significance? For the temple of God, so what? Well, I want you to remember back to what the temple of God, the purpose of the temple of God was. It was first called a tabernacle, right, in the Old Testament. It was that tent that they took along, the Israelites, everywhere they went. It was where God dwelt. It was where heaven and earth intersected. But it wasn't just a place for God to dwell temporarily and then eventually when Solomon built the temple permanently in Jerusalem, it was the place where God dwelt so that people could meet with him there. It was the place of meeting. In fact, in Moses' time it was called the Tent of Meeting. The purpose was to meet with God, to praise God, to sacrifice to God, to worship and even To pray. So when Paul is referring to us as the temple of God, he has those things in mind. But he's raising it up much higher. It's no longer an inanimate, lifeless structure. It is now a group of people that are growing dynamically over time. So this is, in fact, what we are. The temple of God where God dwells. That's the first picture. The second picture comes in this chapter 4, 11 through 16. I won't read through all of this. I'll give that for you all to look at at another time. But if you'll notice, it refers to us as the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, the, the, the body of Christ has a head. If you go on further... T- down it talks about instead we will speak the truth in love verse 15 growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of this body this body has a head a physical head and a representative of a physical head and it has many parts like the parts in a physical body and those parts are people they're you and so then again Paul lays this picture we are the body of Christ and we ought to ask What's the significance? What's the point? Now, Paul is moved from this idea of the church being the dwelling of God. Sure, the body of Christ has a connection to the head, so the life of Christ is there, but it's more about our connection with each other. It's not so much about just our connection with the head. It's about our connection with each other. He speaks there about how every joint supplies or strengthens the other members in the body so that the whole body might grow. So when you notice that just like the temple, in this passage over and over again, four times Paul gives the picture of growth. He says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to to work and build up the church, verse 12. He goes on to talk about in verse 13, this will go on until we attain to faith and the knowledge of God's Son and will be mature. Now it's this picture not of a building being built, but of a person, a human being growing from a young boy or or girl to a, a full mature man or woman. He goes on to say further, we'll no longer be tossed to and fro in influence, instead by the, when people try to trick us, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more. And then in the last verse, he makes the whole body fit together as each part does its special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do you see? Over and over again, our destiny is growth. Now, I want you to notice, though, this growth isn't really about us in the in the in this uh, these two pictures what you notice is that Christ is preeminent Christ is the cornerstone Christ is upon which everything is aligned and laid Christ is the head without the head we're like Chickens with our heads cut off just running around. Nobody guiding us. He's the guider. He, he, and in those, both those pictures, there's this idea of he's directing all this growth. This growth is not about us. It's about him and him being glorified as the head, as the chief cornerstone. But I want you also to notice the incredible way in which Paul outlines the active and continuous work of the Trinity to make this happen. In 220, he speaks there, together we are his house built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. That word built is a passive verb. It doesn't mean, it it doesn't, it's not saying we are the ones doing the building. It's in fact saying we are built by God on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is God at work. Further on down in the passage, you see, we are carefully joined together. Again, another passive verb, by God, it's implied there. He's the one joining us together in this, and we are, therefore, through him, we are being made. That's, again, being made by God, where the Spirit of God is dwelling. Paul is very clear. The person that's directing this in in terms of building this temple is God. And The same thing is true when we talk about the body. If you go to this passage, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's the one that's giving those gifts. He's the one that, if you scroll or if you move further down, he's the one who, where it says, makes the whole body fit together. He's the one that uniquely has knitted together the body the way it is. He's the one that's doing this work. So we are the temple of God. We are the body of Christ. This is our destiny. It's the destiny for the church, but men and women, it's the destiny for your groups. Because whatever is true of the church as the whole is true of your groups. In fact, I think it can be said there are certain, when you, when you reflect on this destiny, there are certain aspects of the destiny that certainly can be filled in this large gathering on a Sunday morning. Certainly they can be, but there are certain aspects that either can't be or aren't best fulfilled in a large gathering. And take a small gathering like your groups to actually be lived out. Your groups are actually are absolutely critical to the growth of the body of Christ and the temple of God. Around here, we use the term community is our design. I want to add that to your words for a moment. Community is our design because growth is our destiny. And your your group is actually critical, absolutely critical to the fulfillment of that destiny. Now, If that's true, if God is so invested in the fulfillment of your destiny, if Christ is so invested, if the Father is so invested, if the Spirit is so invested, the question you might want to be asking is, then what's my part? What's my part? Now, the answer to that is, first and foremost, believe these truths. Believe that, in fact, your group is a part of the temple of God and the body of Christ. Embrace that as a reality. If that is true, when your group gathers, it is not just some casual gathering. It is not a classroom where you learn. It is a temple where you worship. It is not a place to gain knowledge. It is a place to give and receive life as a living organism. If you embrace these ideas, if you remind each other in your groups of these ideas, the whole concept of your group is just raised up in your thinking. You see how critical your group is to the fulfillment of the destiny that Jesus has for His body and God the Father has for His temple. It'll change the way you gather if you remind that. it'll ch- each other of that. It'll change the way you'll prepare for it. It'll change the way you'll act when you're there. As the body of Christ, you are there to. Give of yourself. You have been uniquely placed in that group, not by just some chance that you signed up for. A certain that Jesus Christ has knitted you perfectly right there for the people in that group that you could offer yourself, your gifts, and your life to them. And it's just as true for them giving to you. God has placed you there for them to give life the life of Christ to you. This picture of the body of Christ has in its mind the, the incarnation. But after, the, resurrection, after the, uh, the death and resurrection of Christ and then ascension, the body of Christ, the, the, the church is the embodiment of that life. In fact, some people have called the church the second incarnation. And if that life is best offered in small groups, which I believe it is, then you are the living embodiment of the life of Jesus Christ to another person in your group. Does that make your presence important? Oh my gosh, yes. You don't go just to receive, although that's a part of it. You go to offer life. And so you do that vulnerably. You go prepare to give vulnerably, and you go to prepare to... Receive vulnerability, particularly as you wrestle with the Scriptures, as you're observing the Scriptures, as you're thinking about what does it mean and then what does it matter. You're you're asking questions of these other people. You're listening to how they are wrestling with it. Why? Because they're the life of Christ to you, and you are to them as you share your thoughts. So it raises significantly your involvement in that group. Now, what else might be involved? You know, over the next several months, you're going to be reading uh, and studying Ephesians as you come on Sunday mornings. Some of you may, how many? Some of you, I think, studied it last year as in a men's group. Okay, as you go through that, Paul is going to instruct you with those two foundational ideas in mind. The idea that you are the temple of God and the body of Christ. And he's going to speak to you about specific ideas to do. And I hope you'll listen. And I hope you'll think not just about you individually, remember? That's you, you all as a group. Whatever we've talked about tonight for you represents the other people as well. And you'll think about when he says, speak the truth in love. You'll think not about just generally. You'll think about your group. How would God be leading me to speak the truth in love to my group? When he says to be humble and gentle and patient with each other, you won't think just in general. You'll think, how does that apply to me in my group? And you'll be right in line with the Spirit of God on this. So I hope you'll pay attention. But when we close... There's one final thought that I think you need to do in, in, to invest in the fulfillment of this destiny, and that is give me my next slide, to remember. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, there is one command. It's in 2:11. And that is, remember. Remember who you were. When you go to your group, remember you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You walked according to the prince of the power of the earth. So did I. You and I were children of wrath, but God made us alive in Christ. Remember who you were. Remember who you are, that you are now the temple of, part of the temple of God and the body of Christ. You are now one of those living stones and body parts, and remember how you got there. You were far off. You and I were far off, disconnected, without hope, the Scriptures say there in Ephesians 2. Separated from God, but through Christ, we have been brought near. Near to be the temple of God and the body of Christ. Keep Him at the core of your group and your thinking. Keep him as the cornerstone that he intends to be. Keep him as the head. Remember who you were, who you are, not just, and again, who you all were, who you all are, and how who you all got there. So I asked you tonight to think about the question, how would you describe your group? My hope is that from this point on, whenever you think about your group, two words burn in your mind. Immediately come to your mind. The Spirit of God would respond and say, you are a part of the temple of God. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are critical to the fulfillment of the destiny of growth. Because growth happens when you believe these ideas and invest in your community. I can say that more simply. We fulfill our destiny of growth when we invest in the community. An even simpler way is we fulfill our destiny when we invest in community. Let's pray. Father, tonight, each of these groups... And in the weeks to come, we'll have an opportunity to live out the destiny that you've designed these groups to fulfill. Would you bring to memory, would you remind each of these people here, would you spread that to the other members of the group, and would you change the way they act to more align themselves with this destiny by Believing these truths to be real. By believing that their gathering is a place for praise and worship and prayer and for the expression of life, the life of Jesus to each other. And then, would you bring about growth? Lord, you've made it clear this is our destiny, and we just look to you for that. We praise you, Jesus, as a cornerstone, you as the head. This is about you and not about us, but thank you for making us a part of it. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.